0: Could you imagine coming up to in a restaurant and what's up, bro? You were great in Silence of the Lambs. Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff Hopkins and I'm here with my good friends Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. Howdy. Richard and Michael spend most of their time arguing over the four things in life that best represent a certain topic. And this week is no different as we debate and argue and harangue and ponder um, the best actors, seriously, like Daniel Day-Lewis and no shitting around. That's the subject this week. Who chose this one?
1: I did because we had to get down to business and I didn't want them there to be any shitting around. And if there is shitting around, yeah. you're going to be called out for it.
0: What's the amount of shitting around that's a lot? You'll know it. Oh,
1: okay.
2: So is Shatner, so my first choice of Shatner, is that out right off the table? William Shatner? Uh, no. I said oh, okay. no shitting around. Bill Shatner. <laughs> okay.
0: Two different people. Bill Shatner. Okay, so uh, yeah, t- why did you why did you pick this one?
1: I don't know. I, I I'm guessing I was uh, watching something with Daniel Day Lewis and was like,
0: gosh,
1: that guy is really fucking good. If he's so good, why do you notice that he's good? I think it's that you you do, I think with acting you don't notice okay. that they're that good. Like I I think he he's a guy that gets into his roles and then it's just like well, oh he's that person. Yeah. Okay. So I think that for at least for my choices, I thought it was very much in like.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of that yeah.
1: with mine as well.
0: All right, Michael, you chose the topic. So, Richard, you're up first.
2: All right, so the first one, um, not the most adventurous choice, I'll admit, but Tom Hanks. Oh. Um, just Love some, Tom Hanks. Yeah, just someone with incredible versatility. Somebody who can pull off a incredibly wide range of genres, really. Yeah. Comedy, you know, that's where he kind of cut his teeth. Uh-huh. I mean, just watch Bosom Buddies. I mean, it's a... I mean, working against a titan like Peter Scolari, (laughs) he's still able to hold his own. I'm surprised this is our first Scolari reference on the
1: (laughs) 28-issue episodes.
0: Scolari was always my bet. He was always going to be my pick. I remember thinking, this Scolari kid's going places once he shakes loose of that Oats sidekick. (laughs) Oats-looking motherfucker. Oats Garfunkel. (laughs) The big hair and everything, yeah. Yeah, he's like his Vanzetti. He's the
2: sacco. And it's funny because if you look independent, Peter Scolari's had a really good career. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean... It's just not Tom Hanks. He just didn't win two Oscars in a row, (laughs) right? Exactly. So he can do that. He does romantic comedies. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe one of him and Meg Ryan, some of the most famous and beloved. Yeah. You know those those sort air quotes those sort of movies. Mm -hmm. They tell me. Yeah. Um, Action movies, or if you ever saw, you know, Road to Perdition. For example, was that an action movie? Oh, uh, I wouldn't say it's action.
1: It was good. I'm not. I'm not. Sh- I'm not shitting on
2: your. I think well, no, no, yeah, pin. you're right. Yeah, I mean, act- I mean,
1: you're not shitting around with this pic. Yeah, let's mean, just get that straight.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, so Saving Private Ryan, let's say, or no, those they, Da Vinci Code movies, great. which I yeah. doubt are good movies, mm-hmm. but people seem to like him and his weird hairstyle yeah. with that. But sort of like Road to Perdition, where he's playing against type. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's certainly playing. I mean, he's the protagonist, but he's certainly not a good guy. Yeah, I mean, one he's of the a hired few, killer, and he you believe him as a hired killer. I
1: think that was like either his only or one of his few roles where he was like the antagonist, or he was uh-huh. he was a bad guy. Yeah, I mean he just has I can't done, think of another. I don't one. think
2: there really has been, unless you count Joe versus the volcano in Toy Story. He's kind great. of an asshole. Oh yeah, I yeah. guess
1: eh, no, no. That's a, that's actually a very good point. He's like the he's
2: bitter one. He's, he's, he's good, jealous. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, the moment in Forrest Gump you've seen him portray this character that you kind of go along with because he has such incredibly likable, um, Tom Hanks is incredibly likable, but he's playing this character that we would be cautioned later by um, uh, in Tropic Thunder to never go full R-word. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he goes full R-word for the most of Forrest Gump. And then at the end, when he meets his son uh, for the first time, and he asks, is he like me? And you realize he—he's known the whole time that he's a very limit, has a limited intellect and a little limited capability. But he's—it shows depth to this character. It's like in the last minute of the movie, he unpeels another layer of this onion that you didn't even realize was there. That choked me up as when I saw it.
1: Uh, quick aside: I just watched an episode of Frasier. <laughs> Okay. where Sam is visiting uh Fraser in Seattle for some Oh yeah, uh-huh. he
2: claims that he's uh got to try out to be there. He's uh, interviewing to be the pitching coach of yeah. the Mariners uh-huh. so,
1: some cockamamie reason.
2: So we asked about Woody and his
1: uh his his wife and they had a kid and Fraser Fraser does and he's like is he and then Sam's like oh no no he's smart he's smart. <laughs> so there's a weird like uh, I would, They didn't want to say it. Yeah, they
2: didn't want to say it, yeah. but that's a yeah, very yeah. interesting that uh, real real quick Tom Hanks story. So he was and this plays into the idea that He's not just talented, but by all accounts, the most undiva-like. Yeah. know, if anyone ever had a right to be full of himself, yeah, maybe wield a little bit of his uh, power around mm-hmm. would have been him. But mm-hmm. when they were shooting Forrest Gump, they actually shot the college scenes where he goes to meet Jenny in college. Yeah. In my dorm. Oh. So he was there for like a day, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Um, offered to play ping pong with us. And there's one guy on our floor. Secretly
1: great at ping pong just well, wanted to destroy he, he, you. Because
2: he had been practicing. Oh for the, oh, yeah. for the uh, that stuff. makes sense. So he's like, Well, you wanna play? You know, I've been working on it. And there was one guy in our dorm who was just very socially awkward uh-huh. and made up for it with incredible bravado.
0: Richard Manfred is the guy's kid's name. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him.
2: <laughs> no, and he would he was the type of person who would we'd play flag we'd play like football out in the front quad and he'd insist on trying to like tackle like you know, full-on NFL-style yeah. drive yeah. people into the tree or something like that. So he volunteers. I'm pretty good at it. And so Tom Hanks gets there. Okay, let's hit. He hits a normal serve, and this guy just smash! Yeah. And Tom Hanks has to go get the ball, <laughs> come back. <laughs> like, normal person would be like, oh, let's just have a friendly, I can say I played yeah. a game with No, he was just like, I'm going to kick Tom Hanks's ass. Yeah. <laughs> and to Tom Hanks' credit, he played the game. Uh-huh. And he also, uh, one of my good friends... Had a running thing where they had a fake name that his friends from high school would try to get like in newspapers and radio. Oh, okay. So he told Tom Hanks about it, and there was a uh, there's actually a poster in the the scene that's in the uh, in the dorm. that is a list of names of for some thing that they're doing, uh-huh. and they actually snuck oh, this guy's fun. name into it, so you can see it in the shot. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean it was so he had a picture of him and Tom Hanks with a poster uh-huh. giving the thumbs up. Yeah. So, I mean, again, just sort of the Tom Hanks as incredibly good guy. But yeah. just, you know, the, the he's like Jimmy Stewart. I mean, you hear the Jimmy Stewart comparison a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think he had more, has more depth to his character of his portrayals. Not to say Jimmy Stewart wasn't a great actor. Mm-hmm. I will say it. Jimmy oh, you Stewart. are not shitting around Jimmy are you?
1: Stewart was a terrible human being and actor No, he was Jimmy
0: fine. Stewart is nobody can do an impersonation hit. isn't that weird <laughs> yeah, I know. nobody's been able to figure that They're out really, it's hard to nail it's down hard to figure so, that yeah. out. Hanks as Disney in um, Saving Mr. Banks fascinates me too because if you think of Tom Hanks stellar off screen reputation that's he's one of the few people that you can imagine a company like the Walt Disney Company betting their icon on like here's this guy if it was tom sizemore <laughs> they'd be in trouble so i i do think that's an interesting aspect and and to what to what has his squeaky clean off-screen reputation um supported his his uh on-screen career yeah
2: and you know not afraid to take supporting roles still you know he was great in that thing you do oh yeah um, I mean, he, he direct it? he directed yeah, that. okay but he you know certainly had the uh kind of a not quite a cameo but not quite yeah. a not quite a starring role also
0: yeah probably a guy dying to play character roles yeah he's
2: been leading man but he's always the kind of
0: goofball yeah even
2: in like earth to the moon he was in one episode of it but it wasn't certainly wasn't like the the focus of the of the series or anything like that so yeah just just an incredible again somebody who i think you you can't really say that he has like a Type. I mean, he does have a type, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's, but, he's, but is able to push against the boundaries of that type.
1: He's kind of instantly relatable in everything that he's been in. Like you, kind of. I think what ends up happening is he just be ends up being like the every man that is believable in every situation. Like whether they're they've brought to it be extremes, like in Saving Private Ryan, like you mentioned, like he ends up being a school teacher who is this guy that's leading the yeah. charge. Like, whatever aspect about a character, he, he's able to bring out the normalcy of whatever it is into the extremity of, mm-hmm. you know, he was a FedEx delivery man yeah. for
2: Castaway. And know? he was able to get a good performance out of a piece of sporting equipment. That's how good of an actor <laughs> he is.
0: Okay, I'm going to hold this up to the litmus test to each one of your uh, suggestions. How good do you think his British accent would be? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. Because I haven't
1: heard him. Does do he one.
2: ever do one? I don't think I've ever heard That's him. That's how good one.
1: an actor is. He knows he can't. He, he, can't, he can't do a can't British do accent, so
2: he doesn't. He like, doesn't do one. Like, also, possibly the best talk show guest ever. Yeah. Is he? Okay. He's really good. Yeah. Him, Bill Murray. Hmm. Who else? Who would be on our Rushmore of? Or should we save this one for? Should we table this one for okay, a future yeah. episode? That's like half of
0: it. You heard it live,
1: folks. Came up with a Rushmore topic. Michael, what's your first? Uh, my first one. I'm gonna. I'm moving my order around just a little bit just because you brought up, like, romantic comedies. And I'm going to talk about Cary
2: Grant, who... Um, uh, also, you're not shitting around with this one. No, no.
1: He, I mean, he, he's one of those strange actors that was so good in a comedic role for being, like, an ultra-handsome, just yeah. debonair man, but then would do, like, these screwball comedies like The, um, like the Philadelphia Story or... Um, Bring a baby, yeah, his girlfriend, or Bring a baby where he had to play against, you know, a tiger, a horrible animal in mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn. <laughs>
2: oh, you were sitting on that one I for was, a while. Yeah, were you? He jumped
1: on it a little bit, but then you know, I backed off. But um, I think he's one of those like natural comedic actors that. Not, now, Jeff, you're a comedian. Do you think that? Which I don't is- think it's easy for an actor to be a comedian but i think it's kind of easier for a comedian to be an actor i think i think that if you end up like trying to act as trying to be like a comedic actor Mm -hmm. you end up being like those tweens on like disney channel shows yeah where they're all over the place but i think carrie i do you have like an opinion on it because you've seen a lot of it yeah i you know scorsese casts a lot of comics in there i think
0: what I think is interesting about the difference between um, comedy and drama is people will say all the time, that's not funny, but people will never say that's not dramatic mm. or that's not emotional or that's not um, um, painful. So people are very uh, surface judges of comedy, but then with, when it gets to drama, it's hard, you know, it's all kind of subjective. So mm-hmm. so I think that's a fascinating aspect when you judge Jim Carrey's performance in Eternal Sunshine versus Jim Carrey in some of the movies he's kind of fallen flat on, as Mr. Popper's Penguins or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's 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 harder to kind of rake the guy over the coals when you see him going through some emotional transformation. Maybe not as well as De Niro might or or right. um, somebody else, um, but I, I do think that's an interesting aspect, and I do think good clowns uh, create a lot of pathos. If you think of a um, Stan Laurel or Charlie Chaplin, um, even Buster Keaton, his kind of most um, deadpan delivery, you feel so sorry for them because they've endured so much pain. The laughing on the outside, great La- on, on the inside yeah, type of clown? Yeah. Yes, the quick change. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so I, I do think that's, that's, it is interesting that Tom Hanks actually got there so quick because I think Punchline was kind of a turn for him.
2: Well, yeah, that and Big. Big. Hmm. Yeah. You have to see some range. Yeah, yeah that's right. And of course, Bachelor Party. Yeah. <laughs> Tons of range being back range. Back to Cary Grant. Yeah. And that's a good choice.
1: Uh, I think that like, you go back and you watch a film like uh, His Girl Friday, and it's so frantic and so like, of the time. It's, you know, a 1930s, 40s, newspaper man, reporter getting the scoop. But then it's just, it's so madcap and nonsensical. But then, you know, by the end of his career, he's, you know, involved in thrillers and yeah. Uh, you know, Easy. he had the big Hitchcock run with um, North, Suspicious, by North by Northwest and you almost see like him as this template for like some like current movie stars like George Clooney. George Clooney. Yeah. is like he is almost like a direct copy of this. You know, he'd let up being a kind of a comedic actor and then transitioned into dramatic roles. But then there's there right. are, like the times that kind of come back like, you know, like the wave function comes down again and it's still, you know, George Clinton can kind of still dip into a more comedic side. Sure. Yeah. Brother wear art though. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy, but I I think it all kind of stems from like Cary Grant being just so good at all of that role of a lifetime, believably straight. That's also true. (laughs) That's pretty good charade.
0: I I think Cary Grant um, was also a guy who was so beautiful. His face hmm. belongs on Mount Rushmore. He's just like <laughs> such an amazingly striking person. Well, he was on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. He was, he was on Mount <laughs> Rushmore. That's right. guys. Fr- this is a first for Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's on Mount Rushmore who was on Mount Rushmore. In Lincoln's nose. He was the man in Lincoln's nose. But uh, I think the fact that he got beyond that, too. Here was somebody who just was also playing... Um, Airmen and kind of servicemen and newspaper reporters, and somebody who was just so strikingly handsome that you got past the fact, uh, past that,
2: and into his dramatic performance. So, all
0: right, Richard, what's your second?
2: So, speaking of wacky comedy, uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, also on oh. my list. On your list. Well, of course. She's the best. Of course she is. She's Meryl Streep. Wait, Meryl Stre- Streep? Streep. Streep. Okay. Streep, yeah. All right. No, so she, look her up, she may actually get nominated for an Academy Award just for being not mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> that's that's right. how many Academy Award yeah. nominations she has. I mean, it's, she's been doing this for four decades. She's great. And has never really, like, dipped. You know, she's just found a way to transition and really be somebody who... You can't say, oh, that's a Meryl Streep role. So she sort of just blends into the role and just sort of becomes part of it instead of you don't see any wheels kind of turning when she's mm-hmm. acting so to speak i mean she's done everything from tear jerkers like sophie's choice you know romance like bridges mm-hmm. and and county
1: i mean she started out with like big dramatic roles in, like, you like know, K- and like like deer hunter and kramer versus kramer and like she had that weird like late 80s early 90s kind of dip into now I'm gonna do comedies and well, I'm, Death Becomes Her is pretty good. Death Becomes Her is great. I'm not saying they're bad. I mean, she's yeah. such a good actress. I think you know, um, defending your life is great. Yeah, uh, we just yeah, watched we just watched that the other night, and so she was much. just like, she's so subtle and so like genuine and honest, and like you don't know why she's in love with him. Yeah, but she just instantly, and you just kind of believe it. And she's like, I don't know why. God, yeah, just there's something about, it. and yeah. like everything is so. But then she, you know, uh, she does that big role like and death becomes her as yes. a comedy, and she's so frantic. So over the top. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can see her saying, well, okay, I'm doing a comedy, so how do other comedians do it? I'm gonna sit there, and I'm gonna watch, you know, all these comedy tapes to try and, no, she just kind of went out there and did it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Defending Your Life. I mean, she's able to work with these auteurs as well, like, doing really kind of unique things, like Albert Brooks, mm-hmm. or kind of the Spike Jones, Charlie Kaufman with mm-hmm. adaptation, which is one of my all-time favorite, performances of her because mm. it's again not a very showy performance but there's a lot of there's a lot of depth ha- depth happening even though she's not necessarily the focus of it I mean you know I've certainly been acting right Nick Cage kind of has all the meaty kind of yeah, I think almost purposefully scene-chewing sort of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what movies do, does he not? Does he just hold What, what,
1: what, what was the Nick Cage subtle performance? that Ghost Stick, Rider 1 or 2? Match Stickman, <laughs> yeah. He
2: was really <laughs> subtle.
0: Match Stickman, I think, he was kind of pretty low-key, I felt, in
2: that. but yeah.
0: It, Raising didn't...
2: Arizona? Oh, wait. There's <laughs> never been a low-key performance in any <laughs> Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. Sorry, guys.
0: So, okay. We forgot to do this, Cary Grant, with Meryl Streep. British accent?
1: Streep did. Oh, she won the Academy Award (laughs) for being the Margaret Thatcher, the British
2: lady of the 80s. Or or whatever Julia Child was. Oh, that's
1: right. It's another one. Not actually British,
2: but. Or or doing in- the the New Australian Zealand <laughs> accent of the, whoever the woman is whose whose baby got eaten by a dingo.
1: I'm guessing that in Into the Woods, that was an English witch too.
0: Okay,
2: know, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I can only. I'm sure share. she has a whole backstory that she created just to. Uh,
0: <laughs> Archibald Leach was born in England, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, okay. 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 But he
2: was like British. Then he moved to Canada or something like that. Am I making that up? I don't, they all moved to Canada. I Mitchell. mean, it was
0: part of the empire. He
2: was dodging World War One. Yeah.
0: So is Michael you said? said that Meryl Streep was on your list. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so do you want that to be your second as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we comboed them. Okay, guys, this is our halftime. This is the time when we implore you. um, You know what, guys? Uh, Let's put some moving music under this. This is going to be my Oscar-winning speech. I want to thank all the people who go to Mount Rushmore Podcast website and go to the Mount Rushmore Podcast Twitter and Facebook. Thank you, guys. Uh, And uh, those people who comment and leave feedback and, and ratings on our Website and those people who um, go to the iTunes and l- rate and leave uh, a review. Thank you so much. You made this possible. Oh, the music, the music. Um, okay, I want to thank Irving Swifty Lazar and all the people. Okay, I'm sorry. This is really time for me to off. Okay, okay. So yeah, seriously, um, go out and uh, please leave comments on Facebook and all that stuff. And they're they're giving me the hook now. I'm getting pulled off stage. <laughs> Alright
2: Richard start with the third choice. Actually, of yours. You want to do your third because we kind of combined those. Sure, things. that's oh, fine. Yeah. Sort of. Michael, what's your third?
1: My third is um Mr. could be anyone. Gary Oldman. Oh yeah. Who, that's a good one. Who I don't there's something about him that You know, he's been acting since the early 80s, and he's been in something like 80 movies. Like, he's working in two films a year and has not stopped. Like, I don't know if he's just so – I don't know if he's manic. I don't know if he's just, like, driven or if he can just put on one face after another Mm -hmm. and just keep going and keep moving. And, uh, like, in everything that he's in, like, he's either super subtle and you don't know it's him or he's just, like, kind of steals the show right um he's great in oh what was the uh titanic he played the boat <laughs> he didn't even know it was the boat. <laughs> yeah there you go he was so good he broke in oh, half I bet he was he did his he did his, own <laughs> did his own stunts yeah oh i was thinking of like true romance oh where, sure yeah he's like the crazy dreadlocked yeah. pimp drug yeah. right. dealer or uh the professional where he's like the really slimy skeevy uh cop bad cop
2: right and like
1: everything he's in he kind of puts on these little you know it's very it's very trite to talk about like like that actor's mask mm-hmm. and to go into a role but i think that he can slip them on and off really easily and he can play uh like a crazy person or he can play like a really like kind of dumpy yeah person you're like oh that was gary oldman too and he's yeah like but
2: tinker taylor soldier spy which yeah. mm-hmm. he just sort of Let's the action happen around him mm-hmm. and all the acting is really kind of coming almost just from his eyes yeah. and his, or even his like reactions
0: a, like a Lee Harvey Oswald. Like you feel like here's a guy who didn't have this really dynamic personality, but was clearly disturbed and, and the ability to kind of disappear into dialect, uh, regional U S dialects. Like
1: that's something not a lot of people can do very well. Uh, I think, I think we talked about that. Oh no, we talked about it, uh, off air on like, um, the English to American dialect seems yeah. to be a lot easier than the Americans yeah. trying to fake. Oh, uh, that's
0: right. English. I know who's, it? Like, uh, he's played the doc Ock in the Spider-Man art reboot. Oh, um, uh, Molina. Alfred, Molina, Alfred Molina was, was is he English? He's English. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's I played didn't... every nationality, but his comment was, we grew up watching all your TV. You grew up watching some of our TV. Hmm. So that, we by the time we were children, we were playing in, in uh American dialects. So I totally can understand that. They consumed it a lot more than we did and played those characters. So
2: No, I had Gary Oldman as a potential on my list. I love Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Love Rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead. That yeah. was him, right? Yeah. I'm not mixing him up with like uh a- Golden R- and
0: Tim, and Tim Roth,
1: and he get swapped, but they're both. But in they're that both film. in that, yeah. so that's why it's double. Yeah. Two Tim, people. Tim Roth is really close to making my list too, but then uh, he was just not very good in Hulk. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> or Incredible. Just like cast, there's so a couple that you. was just like, mm,
2: well, you know. and that was kind of my concern with Gary Oldman, because quite honestly, his signal to noise ratio, in terms of great performances versus just being in terrible slop. Mm-hmm. It's pretty high. Oh, Gary Oldman? Yeah. yeah. He's done a lot of His shitty fifth, movies. His fifth
0: element, that kind of senior chewing I love that. Character. But I do like yeah. that movie. No, yeah.
2: I mean, there's just, just a lot of ones you're like, oh, that went straight to DVD. That never, you know, got a limited yeah. release. That got horrible reviews. And it's almost like that Michael Caine thing mm-hmm. where he's been in so many bad movies that you almost discount how many great performances yeah. he's given in good movies. Yeah.
1: Maybe he doesn't have. Maybe he. Maybe his batting average isn't high, but he hits a lot of homers.
2: Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. he's a guy who hits two thirty, but like with forty home runs. Yeah.
0: yeah I just. I, Michael Caine just basically said, "I I own five houses
1: and I have to pay for them somehow." So. Jaws I mean, four. I, <laughs> where do I sign up? I mean, I guess you could point to his, you know, his starring role in uh, the My Little Pony movie, yeah, as that's Ramon right. that's coming out <laughs> next year. But I mean, you know, maybe, the, maybe that's these guys just, you know. Mm. A guy that just works a ton and a ton, and some of the roles aren't great or maybe you don't have enough. Maybe he has enough control of his own character that you know, Ramon in the My Little Pony movie will be really good and we'll get get him that Academy Award finally. Oh, yeah. Hey
2: guys, let's not anchor the Bronies, all right. <laughs> <laughs> They're a very important part of our popula our listening population. so right. let's let's not let's not abandon them.
0: Richard, what's your next choice?
2: Well, I'm gonna go ahead and go. We're gonna stick with kind of the same era of British actor. And go with Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. The late, great Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. He's just fucking Alan Rickman. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but let's put it this way. He was maybe the greatest villain of all time in, Di- in Die Hard. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly make that argument that Hans the Hans Gruber is the best yeah. villain in, in film history. Multi layered. And... and the best part is that, one of the best parts is that the scene with him and Bruce Willis, where he pretends to be like an American hostage, mm, just yeah. made, done on the spot. They decided really? just decided to just shoot it, like just see what happens, and so he just ran this American accent and and did it. No, oh, that's great. Knowledge. Because they they realized sort of like maybe we'll need a scene where they meet before, so they just kind of uh, it was unscripted. Okay. They just sort of did it. Um, maybe started one of the best romances of all time, truly madly oh, deeply. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. Um, maybe one of the best comedies of all time, Galaxy Quest. Yeah, very yeah. good. Um, was even good in Robin Hood. Yeah.
0: I felt like he had the same approach to the character in that it was slightly comedic and ex- it, it his exasperation was so comedic that it lent a humorous aspect to the villain that you hadn't seen before.
2: Yeah, I mean, he just was like the only person who didn't get weighed down by the production. Uh-huh. It's almost like he had a different director and it's basically he didn't listen to whatever was yeah, going on yeah. and just knew how to do it and was gonna do yeah, it. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, he, he had a leg up over everyone else's. He was the only one that didn't have to do an English accent. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't forced, he was he was more relaxed. Well,
2: actually, true story, he's actually Icelandic. No, not no, just that's kidding. Not kidding.
1: No. So what's uh what do you think his
0: when you think of let me ask you this, regarding all these actors. I, I had a friend who who very moment on from one evening she spent This is in the 80s as part of Charlie Sheen's entourage. And she said, yeah, how how did
2: the penicillin treatments go? How long did that take? She
0: didn't have sex with him. She just hung out with him. she said Charlie Sheen was a really nice guy who there's not a person in the world who felt like they couldn't come up and talk to Charlie Sheen, pound him on the back, say, hey, what's up? And treat him like a frat boy and buy him a drink and stuff like that. But Would you ever do that with Alan Rickman? Like, if you saw
1: Alan Rickman at a bar, would you go up and go,
0: What's up, Rickman? What's up, bro? And like, I,
1: pound him on I the back. I would definitely call him Rickman. Rickman. Yeah. What's up, Rickman? Rick? Ricky. What's ba- up, Ricky? Maybe, yo. Maybe Big Al.
0: Big Al. Or like, <laughs> or like even like a Gary Oldman G, G- Dog. Like, at a bar. You or know? call him Gary Oldman. It's funny. <laughs> Alan of, all, Rickman. Of,
1: of all these people so far, um, like Meryl Streep is the one that seems like the most approachable. Tom, H- oh Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks, or Tom Hanks, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. I'd still, I'd still feel kind of intimidated by Tom Hanks. But like, like Anthony Hopkins. Could you imagine coming up to him in a restaurant and was up, bro? You were great
0: no, and Silence. No, I nice.
1: feel that he would insult the glass of wine that I was. Holding. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> or he would, he would just, I think Alan Rickman would. If you saw him, you, you, you wouldn't want to do that to him. Yeah, because he's Hans Gruber. Yeah, yeah. You would. You, what you would do is you would like sort of catch his eye, like. From like the corner of the bar yeah. and kind of just give him like a salute. Yeah,
0: the like, I know that you know
2: that I know hey, that I yeah. give him like yeah. salute, salute the wine glass and yeah. just kind of move on. Yeah, just someone who is just quintessentially attuned to the roles that he was mm-hmm. in. I mean, I'm hit or miss on Love Actually, just the storyline with him and Emma Thompson. Yeah, with with that's uh, one of those ones where that could have been just a movie in, unto itself. It, that they could have cut out some of the other bits. Yeah. and Just the two of them and the chemistry that they obviously had mm-hmm. throughout the years. It's just incredible.
0: The I, I've never seen a second of Harry Potter films. Never read a sentence from the books. How, how was he received in that role in the films? Was he was he, great.
1: He was like idealized. I, I, I think he was like just this weird epitome of he could play villainous and he could play sly and he could play – just
2: super hateful. And, yeah. he,
1: you know, he'd look down at the kids with just, you know, contempt. Eat. Yeah. Just he, utter contempt. he did contempt really well.
2: Right. Um, but but he wasn't somebody who was limited to that. Like he could do roles where he was kind of, like I said, a romantic lead mm-hmm. or something more kind of nuanced and modern. Even this, he, I saw, I'm going to blank on the name. He it, it came out a couple months ago. And it was him and Helen Mirren. It was about like a drone strike. That was going to be happening in Pakistan, Mm -hmm. where they were trying to do a drone strike on a suspected terrorist, but there was also like a little girl that was in the same building, and they were trying to basically debating whether or not to do the drone strike. Mm -hmm. And he played a a general, Uh and he was it's funny because it's Alan Rickman, so you kind of think at some point something evil and kind of villainous is going to happen, but he was like kind of the very very much a voice of reason in Mm -hmm. the role, and was great in the role, and it's a small part. And he seems like somebody, and I'd have I'd have to go back and look at his his IMDb, but I don't feel like he did a lot of bad movies. I feel like he was pretty selective in the type of roles that yeah. he did. I know yeah. he did a lot of act like theater acting too, mm-hmm. that helps. But I, I don't feel like I, I can't really think of boy that was a bad movie and it had Alan Rickman in mm-hmm. it. All right, Michael, what's your next
1: choice? Well, being selective kind of leads up to my my final pick and. I don't care if you're going to be mad at me. It's oh. Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, wait a minute. S- That's the category. Now you're shitting. I'm not oh, shitting. You now you're shitting. Listen, there's an inspiration for this list and I was going to lead off with him, but the kind of the conversation led uh, otherwise. But Daniel Day-Lewis is one of those strange actors who even though he's done like the same he's been acting around the same length as let's say Gary Oldman, who's put out 70 something movies in the same time he's been in 20 movies. Like, he's so weirdly selective and dedicated and, uh, I guess, what's the word? Method that goes into it that yeah. he kind of is this pinnacle of whatever a movie actor yeah. should be. It's funny. We, when, we're, when I thought of this, I didn't even think of, like, television actors or I didn't think of stage actors. And I'm guessing that, like, I, I can't imagine him in a role of doing, like, since he's so into it. Like, if you were to be on a television show for 10 years – like where you're doing it every week, when you're
2: doing it every
1: week, or yeah. you know, for five months at a time, yeah. you take a break or whatever. But like, he's kind of like weirdly renownedly known for getting into roles really extremely, yeah. Like in Last of the Mohicans, I was reading that, um, he learned how to hunt and he wouldn't eat anything on set that he didn't hunt or gather mm-hmm.
2: himself, mm-hmm. or um. In Lincoln, he actually Indian leg wrestled anyone on the crew who wanted <laughs> right.
1: he was He was like in character as, uh-huh. you know, Abraham Lincoln in the yeah. same weird accent and made people call him mm-hmm. Mr. President on mm-hmm. set. And my favorite one that uh, I read was the dumbest one was for uh when he was Bill the Butcher yeah. uh, on Gangs in New York. Uh, he learned how to be a butcher and would just sharpen knives like what? Of all the things that were potentially method and yeah. useless, yeah. like that was seemed like the one that was like that. They couldn't have been like the name's build a butcher, but you don't have to yeah. do everything
0: about that. That about I that. think is fascinating. That you know, in the in the math problems we did in school, you always had to show your work. There's so much prep that actors do, and you'll hear good actors, you'll hear bad actors, all talk about their preparation. And sometimes you'll hear like a performer who just didn't really deliver the performance that you thought. They should have based on all the stuff they said they did off screen. And I think that is a real interesting aspect of the how an actor prepares is does it show on the screen or is there some way that you would never even be able to point it out? But it's just the comfort level they had with knives or the fact that Tom Cruise could actually you do all those tricks in cocktail because we're talking about good actors. Right. But
1: well, I mean, yeah. he, I mean, Tom Cruise is another weird one where like. Yeah, say and, the least. Uh, <laughs> every movie that he's in, it seems over the last twenty years or fifteen years, yeah. like there's been some weird motorcycle scene because he loves riding motorcycles yeah. and he's good at riding motorcycles, yeah. so they just kind of Ride it in write it that, that in. But it's not like he had to learn a new trick for each one. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe what sets Daniel Day Lewis aside is that, you know, for uh, unbearable lightness of being, he learned brain surgery to speak Czech. Oh, did he? Okay, and he just stating and character. by left
2: foot, didn't he like learn how to. Paint with he, a left foot,
1: yeah. and he would not leave his wheelchair unless someone else carried him, and he wow. wouldn't I, feed himself. Like, okay, I, 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 I got to be lazy honest at that point. I got to
2: be honest. That's kind of an asshole. That's not method. That's got to be yeah. awful to work with. And you I know, know you have to sit there as an actor, who's working with him or a director, or whoever, and say, "Yeah, I know I'm getting this amazing performance, but god damn it, just come to the craft services table <laughs> and just let's just talk half about half normal those, shit." I will yeah, say
0: my trifling my 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 small experience as an actor um led me t- for two weeks to be the understudy to christopher walken on uh, a tv movie this is at a low part in christopher walken's career a tv movie called S- uh skylark which was a sequel to sarah plane tall which is another christopher walken tv movie with him and meryl no glenn, glenn close, close going close and uh it was the m- funniest two weeks that i've ever experienced just kind of my first time on a set for real and um there's, the film takes place, I think, in turn of the century Kansas during a drought and on a farm. And Christopher Walken, who was born and raised in the Bronx, I think, like that, is, and can't do an accent to save his life, is trying to be a farmer. And <laughs> so it's
1: so funny. I can hear, I can hear, yeah. like a Kansas accent the, coming out of him, and it's sounding terrible. The
0: crops, these crops, <laughs> are gonna die unless we get
1: some rain. And it's so hilarious to hear him trying to do this Kansas accent. Oh, that was the worst uh, Christopher Walken impression as well on top of that. That was incredible. But, no, that's him doing his Kansas accent. <laughs> oh, no, then that was a perfect Oh, that perfect. Was a Yeah, perfect. no, no. It, it sounded okay. like Tommy
2: Wiseau trying to do a, a Kansas accent.
1: <laughs> Throw me the
2: ball. You're, ki- you're killing me. <laughs>
0: so anyway. Lisa? Uh, he, he, uh, he has to, have as a performer, you have all these things that don't always align with the reality that you're trying to portray. So, Christopher Walken is trying to be a turn of the century farmer, and he, he's, you know, surrounded by people with production equipment, all these contemporary things, and people in parkas and people in, in, you know, with radios blaring and stuff like that. And he sees me, uh, as his kind of stand-in, was standing way off in the distance, trying to. Wa- I went, decided I was going to watch him work, and so I stand off in this middle of this field. He's looking out in this field and bemoaning the demise of all the, his crops and things like that. And he sees me wearing like an orange parka, you know, like Walkman headphones, and uh, points to me and signals, get the fuck out of the field. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's what actors do. You try to eliminate as much as you can all those things that don't fit into the world that you're trying to drag the audience into. And I, I got a I feel for guys like Daniel Day-Lewis because right out of frame, there's a million different things that are so contemporary or
1: uh, antithetical to the story that are pulling them continually out. It must be like... Uh, you know, it must be so tiring to be in that mode all the time as that type of actor to be like a method actor and then yeah. just be so like maybe that's why he only does. He's only yeah. done, you know, 20 movies, yeah. it's just like you're so deep into it. And then you're just like,
0: so if he's I, just the fighter, he's got to learn to be a boxer. He's actually do all the training and do all that stuff and then feel all those yeah. emotions. And stuff. So
2: has, have any of those 20 movies been Marvel? action movies? <laughs> like I guess he's not the, I guess he doesn't have as much range as we thought. Wait, then, uh, huh?
1: there will be, b- no, that one wasn't. No, that, I was, not that no, it was not an
2: uh, act. my left foot. He was not a superhero with an incredibly powerful Looking left over foot. over the
0: thing. No. So I have four for Michael, but
2: I, I, okay. I still have one more. Round it out. Let's wrap this up. And I am going to go with a little bit of a wild card pick. Someone who I think may be the most underrated actor of the golden age of Hollywood. Um, his name is Paul William. Short. His name Sorry. Tony Wildcard. Bill. <laughs> Bill Shatner. <laughs> his name is uh, William Holden.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Who, oh, Bill. Bill Holden. Oh, no, Bill. Bill. Holden. Bill. Bill yeah. Holden. Bill Holden. Yeah. Billy the H
2: man. I kind of start off a uh, quick background on him. Um, start off in the movies was kind of like the handsome, naive, kind of young guy, young, young adult character. Like he was one of the leads in Our Town. Oh. Went off to World War II and when he came back. He started getting these roles that were more kind of the, the handsome rake who kind of had a certain a real touch of cynicism, mm-hmm. to him. So his first big role was Sunset Boulevard, where he plays the uh, doomed writer, opposite Gloria Swanson, yeah. an incredible movie. Yeah, um, he's in Sabrina. He's the I guess younger brother, of Humphrey Bogart, who's vying for Audrey Hepburn's affections. He is in Bridge over the, the River Kwai. He's the American guy. Building the bridge. He wasn't the bridge. No, he was not the bridge. That would have been method acting. (laughs) Daniel Day-Lewis would have learned how to become a bridge. Hey, the river. I got to cross the river, Kwai. Get this guy out of my river. Get this guy out of my river. (laughs) Christopher Walken as the bridge. Uh, Won an Academy Award for Stalag 17, lead in that. Um, Certainly, I think he had three or four movies with Billy Wilder, and they they had this kind of incredible connection Mm -hmm. because think a lot of Wilder's movies really were that exploration of the dichotomy between you see somebody who's like kind of this handsome, you know, oftentimes rich sort of character that, that when you scratch the surface, maybe is lacking a little bit of moral fiber or certainly has a cynical look at the world, um, wound up kind of remaking himself in the 60s, kind of sort of a leather, more leathery version of that. Uh, probably his biggest role that era was the Wild Bunch, so that's a, I mean it's just an incredible range of types of performances to go from Billy Wilder to Sam Peckinpah, like in the span of a decade. Yeah. Um, wound up had a bit of a drinking problem, and by dr- a bit of a drinking problem I mean he wound up one day in his house getting so drunk that he fell down, cracked his head open, and bled to death. Oh wow, that's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's an the issue. Biggest, that's one of the S- biggest problems you can have. Slight issue, and I mainly bring this up. Because in uh, the Life from New York uh, book that came out a few years ago, The Oral History, they talked to Tim Kazarensky, who was one of the writer actors in the yeah. those Ebersol years between the two Lauren Michaels eras. Like he was uh in Police Academy, he's like the real nerdy guy. What's his
1: Yeah, I, I know the yeah, yeah, you know
2: who he is. The nerdy one. Yeah, the nerdy one. So they talked to him and he, he said whenever they'd bring a guest host in, the first thing he would do is like pull him aside and say Hey, I've got this uh, idea for a skit. It's called the William Holden Drinking Helmet. <laughs> and he said if the guy, if the host laughed, he knew they were gonna have a good week. And if the guy said, "Oh man, that's sick," oh, he sorry. knew they were fucked. <laughs> oh, but, that's that's awesome. Yeah, but Bill Holden was, like I said, was just. When you hear people talk about great actors of like the fifties and sixties, you don't hear them talk about Bill Holden. And I think a lot of it was because he didn't he tended to take the didn't tend to take the type of showy roles Hmm. that somebody some of the other leading actors of that era would he did have that kind of ability to sort of become a role and i think that's hard it's harder to stand out but you go back and watch that that run of movies like i Hmm. said he had in the 50s and early 60s it's just hit 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 yeah after hit
0: i wonder if they sometimes when this star has a few years of incredible celebrity i wonder if they will transcend into history? Like, if we think of, like, Humphrey Bogart uh, or Spencer Tracy, some of these guys who maybe were contemporaries with William Holden but are held in a little bit more higher memory than he is, perhaps? I wonder who those people are now. Like, will Brad Pitt have the same um, stickiness in history as a guy like Harrison Ford or something? Or?
2: Well, I also think a lot of it is... I mean, I could go back to those movies I named. I mean, he is really kind of the supporting role in most of those uh-huh. so with the exception of Stalag 17 mm-hmm. but even that is kind of an ensemble film yeah but I mean Sunset Sun Sun th- Boulevard he's like you know he's it's Gloria Swanson chewing up the scenery uh-huh. but he's the glue that's kind of keeping that whole movie together let me
0: ask you this though by the, t- by the time they got to the 17th film hadn't the Stalag film series kind of petered out
1: no, uh, 18 was really good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking like that, that, that Lull and like 14, where they brought Chatner in to draw. Oh, that's right. To. Starlag
1: uh, Takes Manhattan was great. <laughs> right. Number 18. Please. Oh, you were saying something so smart, Richard. I'm so
0: sorry. No, that's, okay. that's okay. That's <laughs> okay.
1: No, we gotta balance this out. Okay. <laughs> Can't have too much smart. Who wants to listen to that? Yeah. I mean, this this episode already turned into a, a another podcast. It was already it, was, it turned into I was there too for a good four minutes. So right. We gotta, yeah. We well, can, can right. do, we can be a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, That's we certainly right. can. So done there.
0: Cool. Okay. So uh, these gentlemen have all registered their four choices. I'm gonna lock them into the the vault. That's something I'm introducing new to the series. Here comes the vault. Here comes the vault. Okay. Right. Left. Right. right, let's cool. put in some sound effect for a cool safe spinning thing.
2: Yeah, we'll get the safe crackers right. music from uh, Price of Right. the
0: vault, putting it into the vault. Oh, my God, I forgot what the choices are. I better open up the vault. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm opening up the vault. <laughs> <laughs> you okay, so hear, hear that creak of it opening? All right, obviously, yeah, I'm uh, stalling, and I really shouldn't because uh, uh, there's some, there was some really neck-and-neck neck competition here where these guys were each talking about stellar performers, um and i want to go over michael's choices because as the loser
1: that's what i do um that's what you do as
2: the yeah, loser that's what i, I think I, michael would agree right cho- now i go
0: over the choices
1: i'm gonna act outraged. <laughs> i am outraged. <laughs> here's, Acting.
0: here's the guy who uh chose some really incredible performers uh, Cary grant meryl streep gary oldman all of which would do a stellar british accent and then Daniel Day Lewis. At that point, he evoked the actual category title, part of the category title, in his choices. Um, so I think with those, with those, all four were are stellar like film actors, which I think is a wonderful. That's really just we talked about acting, as the category, and really stellar film actors and people who I think also reach the caliber of kind of movie star. Meryl Streep and Gary Oldman kind of definitely, and Daniel Day Lewis, are kind of all fall into the role and kind of disappear into the role um, but they have so much i think on screen charisma and persona that they just kind of just they are the reason you go to that film because they their identity really goes beyond the character but i, I do think richard's choices showed a nice breath um, bringing in tom hanks as kind of the most uh the most populous performer in that list and then ending up with a William Holden who bridges this gap between I think early Hollywood and then kind of the later part of Hollywood uh, with some of the edgier films that he did. So and then uh, Alan Rickman in there he mentioned what is probably my favorite film, Truly Madly Deeply, and that that won my heart. So. Um, This has been certainly a fun topic. And we would love to hear from you, the audience. I know some of these performers you probably have opinions about. We'd love to find out which of their roles you think were their most important or their most impressive. Or if you have your own choice of Rushmore lists, share that with us on um, the Facebook or on the website for this. Yeah, we didn't talk about TV
2: actors. So if you want to let us know if David Caruso is your favorite, Rick Schroeder,
0: anything like that. Anything like that. Um, This has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I've been
1: Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.